0: Not since Lewis & Clark has anyone harvested salt in the Pacific Northwest with any real success. That was until Ben Jacobson came along. After falling in love with fine sea salt while living abroad, Ben took it upon himself to learn the craft, harvesting salt from the cold, pristine waters of Nittarts Bay, Oregon, which wasn't always smooth sailing. Since founding his company, Jacobson Salt Co., in 2011, he has transformed what was a small local business into a nationally recognized brand, becoming America's top salt maker. Jacobson Salts have garnered worldwide favor for their beautiful presentation and pure taste by both professional chefs and home cooks alike. Hey Ben, thanks so much for joining.
1: Hey, Julian. Of course, yeah. Good to talk to you.
0: Oh, I know, and and I um, I missed you because I haven't seen you at all during the pandemic. I haven't seen anyone.
1: I know. I miss i miss missing you all, and and I even more than not even more, but in addition to missing you, I miss uh, your food as well. <laughs> <laughs> Big time.
0: I know. I know. It used to be like we would see each other at all the food events. You know, there's a lot of food events around Portland and we'd see, you know, you're, you're always the one that there's something happening. You were either supporting it in some way, sponsoring it, or your location was the venue or, or all the chefs were definitely using your salts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed. Yeah.
0: Right well i wanted to tell people you know a little bit about how you got started for those who don't know you have such an amazing story from like an entrepreneur's perspective i i always have this affection for entrepreneurs because it seems like the hardest thing to do to start something from scratch Mm. um were you always this way like did you i mean do people wake up i was you know you ask this question like do people wake up and you know as a kid and think they're going to be an entrepreneur like what did you want to be when you were a kid
1: (laughs) when i was a kid that's a good question um I did not know I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, I, but I, I think I've always kind of had an entrepreneurial bent. Um, you know, when I was, uh, when I was a kid, I, I, um, oddly enough, uh, um, I had a a pair of zebra finches, um, two small, beautiful birds and named uh, Fred and Elise and Fred (laughs) and Elise had babies. And, um, and uh and then they had a lot more babies and so i started selling zebra finches uh as a kid by the pair for seven dollars to pet stores
0: wow uh, because, you're a breeder
1: <laughs> yeah i was i was a bird breeder and um or at least a a, a, a uh i was i was you know enabling bird breeding and um right. and then selling the uh the pairs to uh pet stores so um I don't know if that's counts as being an entrepreneur as a kid, but- I think
0: so, I think so. (laughs) I mean, when I was a kid, I used to sell um, Garfield drawings (laughs) <laughs> like, do you remember that like oh yeah was when sure. Garfield that's was incredible. super popular and everybody so I would draw a Garfield like Garfield with lasagna like people could ask what they wanted and then uh, to customize it I would add their name somewhere in the picture and then I would sign it and I would sell them for five dollars and it was less custom art but really it was just like kind of like tracing but I would customize it
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a great idea I love it
0: well, because I ask entrepreneurs or people who have their own businesses, right? You know, and they usually if you ask them in their child, they did like, you know, they saw opportunity. Yeah. They saw opportunity and then they seize the opportunity. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's so, it's uh and and you know, wanting some some autonomy and kind of just, you know, you know, taking life uh, kind of into your own hands in that in that regard for sure.
0: Right. And you grew up in Vermont, right, as a as a young kid.
1: Yeah. Or you were born,
0: was, where were you born?
1: I was born in Virginia. Um, mm-hmm. and then we moved to Vermont, um, to Burlington, where I have incredible memories. Um we, you know, we were um we lived uh kind of in downtown Burlington, which is close to the original Ben and Jerry's factory store. And uh-huh. so I have very, very distinct memories uh as a kid of riding my bike down to Ben and Jerry's. Um and they had this this um, chest cooler. Um so you know you could go into the shop and get like a regular ice cream cone, of course. But then they also had and then you can get a 24 scoop Sunday called the Vermonster, which is what? incredible. <laughs> <laughs> um, and did then, you get uh, it?
0: Did you ever get I, it?
1: I got one once for a birthday party. Uh, for right. somebody's birthday party that I went <laughs> to and and then we um but we used to get uh pints of Ben and Jerry's ice cream um from the chest cooler they were factory seconds which usually meant they had like too much heath bar or too many right. you know oreos or whatever um for a dollar a pint and so i have, oh, wow. have memories of sitting on this grassy knoll in burlington looking at lake champlain eating eating ice cream with my friends right it was great <laughs>
0: well I, I i drove through burlington once on a, on a motorcycle road trip once and it wow. what an idyllic like little perfect little town that must have been so great wow. to grow up there
1: it really was. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great little town and, you know, feel like the outdoors. Of course, we live in Oregon now and it's just, it's, it's incredible. Um, right. you know, walking across <laughs> Champlain when it's frozen to the islands and having hot cocoa in the winter and yeah, just some fun, fun memories there for sure.
0: And then what brought you to the Pacific Northwest? Because when I think of Pacific Northwest, like um, icons of food and drink, right, you know, this kind of Oregon bounty, like your story always comes up because, you know, we talk about Oregon, we talk about Jacobson Salt, because it is so much a part of like the terroir of like who we are here in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, what brought you to this region?
1: Well, uh, that's nice of you to even say that. Um, I I think we're very small, but Hopefully, significant part of, of great food coming out of out of kitchens. Who knows where? Hopefully, in Oregon, and and mm-hmm. then hopefully around the country too. Um, but uh, yeah, we um, we moved across the country uh, when I was a kid. My dad um, did his residency in Vermont and um, started practicing medicine in um, in actually in Southwest Washington in Vancouver. And um, so we lived there, or my parents lived there. Um, you know. I think we moved out here in 1990 or 1989, I think it was. Um, and so parents, we've been here since then, but I was here for high school um, and then went to college at University of Washington in Seattle, um, and Seattle um, and moved from there to spend four years in San Francisco. And then I moved to Denmark and then Norway, then back here to Oregon. Right. Um, that so, must
0: have been amazing to live in Denmark. I mean, what? Oh, why Denmark? Was there something?
1: Oh, uh, it was amazing. Um, well, I have family in Norway. Um, and so I wanted to just really just kind of be able to spend a little bit of time in mm-hmm. that part of the world. And so I ended up going to school in Denmark um, for a graduate degree, and then um, got a job in Norway afterwards. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, just was able to fortunate enough to kind of. Uh, to get out of, out of the U S for a little bit and, and, you know, open, open my eyes and hopefully open my world a little bit more. So. Right. I'll never regret travel for sure.
0: And as the story goes, it was in Denmark, right? That you <laughs> had your first taste of quality salt, and, which changed the trajectory of your life. Right. <laughs> Is that really?
1: Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, as the story does go and, and yeah, I, I, Girl, had a girlfriend uh, there at the time and um, she introduced me to good salt and i was blown away by how much better it was than um you know salt that i had grown up with and really kind of became fascinated with it at that point and um, moved to norway and and was traveling um a ton for work uh, all around the globe um, to south Af- to south africa to china to um, japan to um, let's see here to the U S of course, what were you
0: doing at that time for work?
1: I was, um, I was director of marketing for a, um, publicly traded software company, um, out of Norway and, and the software company made a web browser for, Mm -hmm. um, computers, but also for cell phones. And it was before the time of, of, you know, the iPhone. And so, um, and so we made a opera software is the company name and opera made a web browser for cell phones. Um, and so, and it was incredibly popular in in um, kind of, um, developing parts of the world. And so I spent a lot of time, um, in those parts of the world where a lot of our customers were. And, but I would, I would always, um, I would always, you know, you on any sort of business trip you have, you find yourself with, you know, you can, or you, you can create an hour or two, um, of, you know, your own time. And so I would, with that time, I'd always go walking and try and find a kitchen shop um, and try and see what other salt uh, selection they might have. And because uh-huh. um, it's a really interesting kind of inexpensive, small, nice thing to be able to bring back with you and a nice right. kind of way to remember, you know, remember your trip. And so everybody um, and else then,
0: was like buying like refrigerator <laughs> magnets and you're buying salt. <laughs> you yeah, <know>? exactly. Literally. <laughs> to yeah. Remember your
1: trip <laughs> or a t-shirt or whatever. And right. Yeah. I love um, it yeah but it was it's a you know it's a i mean what better way to remember something than than the food that you that you eat um, from there and so um and so i uh, moved back to oregon and realized you know great salt wasn't being made in america and um and wanted to figure out how and why and if that was even possible um because you know you figure like there's gotta be a, there's gotta be some reason like, you know, wine is made here of course now. Um, but that only started, um, you know, a few hundred years ago, mm-hmm. um, really. And, and so, you know, it's, it's obviously wine is a you know, much bigger kind of industry around the world than, than is salt. But, um, um, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it had me thinking like, huh, if, well, if wine can be made here, um, and it kind of, you know, at least i know wine to be originated in in europe and um and there's probably a greater history than that in in wine um certainly in the mediterranean but i didn't um i didn't know why salt wasn't being made here and so um wanted to figure out how and why and right just really just started tinkering
0: mm-hmm. cuz all the ingredients are all the things that you know they make in the uni- united states and you know, recognized around the world, salt was one of those things where it really, you know, like everyone talked about like French, you know, Malden salt or salt yeah. from Peru or from all these different places, but but no one ever like talked about American salt, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was Morton's or Diamond Crystal Kosher, which yeah, are fine, exactly, but, yeah, yeah, you know, they're but we can we can and and should have better, and so there you go. <laughs>
0: Okay, so jump forward to you uh, in your car hauling salt water back and forth from the Oregon coast. Because uh, oh for gosh. people who don't know, it's it's quite the tale of you. Um, it's I, I think of you as almost like a scientist going doing water sample tests, <laughs> like up and down the coast <laughs> to find like the perfect, you know, blend of. Because you're not just looking for like salinity; you're really looking for like the characteristic, the flavors of what you're, um, you know, what you're going for for like a nice finishing salt, right?
1: absolutely yeah and you know it's so i um yeah i I had a 2008 uh subaru forester that i sadly had to uh i had to sell uh six months ago because it needed thirty five hundred dollars in repairs and it was worth Mm -hmm. about a thousand dollars and so i had to sell it but um uh and i got nine hundred and fifty dollars for it but whatever (laughs) i i loved that car and um
0: That car uh, did a lot of work for you. It hauled a oh lot of gosh. water.
1: Right? It, it created so many memories. So uh-huh. yeah, so I, I had I'd spent two and a half years trying to figure out how to make good salt, and finally, kind of landed on the process that I felt made good salt consistently. And once I did, um, just to take it one step further, I thought I'd spend um, some time trying to figure out um, where where great sources of water of seawater might be. Um, With the kind of the notion that you know, if winemaker wants to make great wine, she'll start with the best grapes that she can find, and so I wanted to make great salt, and so I wanted to start with the best salt water I could find, and um, and so went and tested uh, and got seawater samples from 27 different spots, um, all the from Nia Bay in Washington State, um, which if you haven't been there, it's incredibly beautiful um all the I way down to i will note oh it oh my <laughs> gosh you you all sh- i think it's worth a trip in your really cool van uh-huh <laughs> um, and uh so you know from Nia bay all the way down to gold beach in oregon um and uh and made made salt from all of those different spots and um, one of those spots was Neatarch, oregon and and the way i picked the spots was i just got a you know just a map and looked at, at inlets and looked at bays and estuaries and that sort of thing al- along the, you know, the Oregon and or Washington coast and to see where, you know, what might make a good source of seawater. Mm-hmm. And I found the spot in E-Tarts Bay, and I'd been there before crabbing um, and certainly knew of oysters from Neetarts. And um, long story short, Neetarts ended up um, having the the best source of seawater. And, you know, folks might think that ah, seawater is seawater and salt is salt. And, Certainly from a, you know, chemical perspective, it can be. Um, but at the same time, you know, you have Pacific oyster that, you know, is raised in Nitarth versus Pacific oyster that's raised in Tillamook Bay. And right. um, they'll taste drastically different. Mm-hmm. And the only reason for that is, of course, is the environment, the, the seawater environment that they grow up in. Um, and so um, while salt is salt, great salt um, can be defined by, you know, a mixture of, of of um uh, provenance and process um, so in a mixture of you know of you know where the seawater comes from and your process um and so yeah so started uh um upgraded from my from my subaru to um rented u-haul trucks um where i was hauling barrels of seawater um back to a commercial kitchen in portland kitchen crew mm-hmm. um and and finally um and, and and started making salt. Obviously it's incredibly inefficient to haul seawater over 85 miles over a coast range to <laughs> downtown Portland to make salt. Um but you know it's yours I was we still are a small business, but I was it was just a one one person show, one man show at that point. And um you got to do what you can to to make it happen.
0: I know. Where's the documentary? Like, this is like, this is, this is, there's a movie in there somewhere. I can just visualize it, you know, tanks Um, being turned over and, you know, just all sorts of, uh, it's not the easiest thing. Like it's be one thing if you're like growing something lightweight, like microgreens, and you're,
1: it's, I mean, I, it's, it's not easy. And it's, it's, uh, you know, on top of that salt and seawater is, is caustic and corrosive. And so mm-hmm. it's, you're dealing with a very heavy kind of heavy substance that also rusts the heck out of everything it touches. And so, right, yeah, it's, it, it was not easy at all. And I remember kid, the kitchen manager, Jeff McCarthy, um, at Kitchen Crew, when I first came in, you know, I hadn't ever worked in a kitchen before. And he always used to say work smarter, not harder. And so I would get these big cambros, you know, these big five uh-huh. gallon um, clear plastic buckets um, to all the people that I know you know what a cambro is, but to all the people that right. don't know what a cambro is um, and, um, and fill them with seawater, pump them with a pump from lines that I had purchased for like $19.99, mm-hmm. um, and fill the cambro and then carry that cambro back into the boil pot um, and Jeff was like, use the kitchen cart. And so <laughs> you know, I, I started like you, you know, moving being able to move like four cameras at a time rather than one. And so yeah, it was it was a it was a quick scale up in, in kind of process and efficiency for sure.
0: Right. Because it's not exactly you can just uh, there's no manual for how to make uh, salt from seawater, you know, <laughs> that you can
1: refer to. Yeah, yeah, it was that's honestly has been the most challenging, w- was probably the most challenging piece of, of the, you know, first years of the business was, you know, there was no, you know, handbook, no manual kind of a, how to start a salt business.
0: <laughs> right. Well, you know, having visited your facility, the Tarts facility out on the coast, it's really amazing because you can tell so much of the stuff was like everything. Well, everything really is a custom made for you or uh, you made you trial and error figured out and then had to improve. And then, you know, all that, which is, you know, that, that seems that that's a lot of work, you know? <laughs> um, and I, I know that yeah. in the very beginning, it was like, you just you, you for a long time, and then you with just a handful of people, but, you know, jump forward now, it's like, you've grown to so much. I mean, it must be quite, you must be quite proud <laughs> of what you've accomplished <laughs> in such a short amount of time. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, it's, I am proud. It's, you know, but it's, it's now been, we're, um, coming up on August 11th, It will be two years or I'm sorry, two years, 10 years in business. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, you know, we've, we've had an incredible team, um, the whole way we have people that have been there for at the company for eight years now, um, which Mm -hmm. is amazing. And, um, and so, uh, but it's, it's been, um, certainly made mistakes along the way and, and, screwed screwed up a lot but you know you do the best you can when you can with the resources that you have and just kind of hope it all works right you know all this while of course you know your you know uh, entire you know net worth which at the time and still isn't much at all um, (laughs) is on the line and you know you was able to buy a house but then of course the the bank owns the house until the the business is able to repay the line of credit and the loan so it's you know there's a lot as an entrepreneur that is on on one's shoulders for sure
0: it is it is but it is you know let's celebrate some of your successes so you know i think i don't I, maybe for you what was that moment where you felt like you had really like this is legit like this is a re- like you've succeeded that was there a moment that you felt that
1: that's a good question um I mean, I honestly still kind of perhaps it's in the underdog in me. Um, I, <laughs> I still feel like we're kind of trying to trying to um, make our way in this world with with, you know, um with salt. But that being said, like we are, you know, yeah. I mean, people around the country know about us um and about the brand, which is amazing to me and still blows me away to this day. And I think it right. was probably um you know, Joan Cirillo from the Oregonian um, wrote an article about us. Um, I think that our first year, first probably six months in business, and um, and things really, really started to really just to blow up at that point. Mm-hmm. We were just entering the holidays and kind of gifting season, and um, and then new seasons brought us into their stores. At that point, there's eleven, uh, yeah, eleven stores, and um, so. Things began to escalate and take off really quickly mm-hmm. after that, and so I, I, I most definitely still kind of feel like we're trying to make it work every single day, and we mm-hmm. are with our great team. Um, but it was probably at that point where I realized, ah, oh, there's some traction here, and yeah, I've got a, I've got a, it's a pull rather than a constant push.
0: Well, I, I recall distinctly opening opening up a William Sonoma catalog. And seeing uh, Ben Jacobson and you had made the official Chuck Williams turkey brine, (laughs) you know, (laughs) which is like Chuck Williams, the founder of, you know, Williams-Sonoma. And, you know, it's Thanksgiving, the biggest eating holiday of the year, turkey being the centerpiece of it all. And here it is. You are making the signature turkey brine. I remember having a little moment there, um, standing Uh, in my kitchen, looking at that catalog and being so proud of you. (laughs)
1: uh... I mean that truly was an honor, it, it without a doubt. And I mean we've had so many great kind of stops along this along the way of this train ride. Um, mm-hmm. And you know making Chuck Williams turkey herb blend for their you know for Thanksgiving was was truly incredible. Um, and you know Williams Noma is, is a fantastic partner. They've been with us um, now through, um, or we've been with them now through. I think they had. Uh, through three different presidents brand presidents Mm -hmm. and um and still to this day they are incredibly supportive um and um just always you know having an an open phone line and and um or an email or text message or whatever and so uh it's they they make you feel um they make you feel important but i think that's also like we also have to give ourselves props too because we're making, I believe, some of the best salt on the planet and and with a heck of a story to match as well. So
0: right. um, we're oh, grateful yeah. for
1: their partnership for sure.
0: And, you know, I think the one thing important to say is like this. It's not just home cooks and stuff like that. All the chefs have embraced you. And it's fun to go into um, kitchens and see your finishing salt, you know, loud and proud them using them. <laughs> what are some of the chefs that people would know that are um, using your products that you are aware of I know probably more oh, that boy. you don't, aren't or even aware of
1: uh yeah I'm, I'm sure I hope like every Portland chef seen. for sure <laughs> a lot of a lot of chefs in Portland um, for sure um, chefs in Seattle San Francisco um, la of course um, New York City I remember walking into John George um, uh-huh. and um, our salt is on the menu there and uh, it was incredible oh, wow. experience. And, but also to like, you know, to Oxamoco in Brooklyn, New York, mm-hmm. that is like this. I love that little, website. oh, it's so good. It's so, it's and,
0: so beautiful and the food is so good and yeah, it's yeah, a great place.
1: It's just, I love it. And I love the fact that like, we're on a Michelin star, you know, menu, um, in New York city and then like this really cool, um, spot in Brooklyn. Right. Um, but that's kind of like the, that's the beauty of part of the beauty of, of what we do is, you know, we make it kind of a fundamental base ingredient that just makes good food. Great. Right. Um, and, and so it's, uh, it's, it's been a nice, nice way to kind of interact with all types of chefs, um, from, mm-hmm. you know, Gregory Gorday here in Portland, who's since gone on to, um, well Gregory's still a friend and, and a, certainly a customer and, um, and, you know, but he's also now been on top chef a number of times. and and so it's just really fun to kind of see the people that you work with and uh, mm-hmm. become friends, but also like them go on to do other incredible things
0: right. well, and then also all the different cool partnerships that you've done you've done. you either with um creating custom blends for them. um I think of like the stump town coffee salt um yeah. But- you know all so many like how many varieties do you have now
1: (laughs) oh i think we've i mean we've uh we probably are running 12 to 15 different infusions now um Uh and you know we you know we bring some back we you know uh start producing some sometimes and then bring them back at other times um you know, we had to stop producing um, vanilla bean salt a little while ago because of the tsunamis around the world, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just decimated the vanilla bean crop. And so um, it was, uh, it just became untenable to, to make uh, salt like that. But mm-hmm. we do have other incredible infusions. Our stump coffee salt is incredible. Uh, we have Uncle Nearest whiskey salt. Um, oh, Uncle yeah. Nearest is the Mm-hmm. Black distiller that taught Jack Daniels how to make whiskey. So right. um, mm-hmm. really, yeah, he was the literally the original. And um, you know, he was never compensated for that, of course. And so um Vaughn Weaver, who's the CEO of, of Nearest Green, um, or I'm sorry, of Uncle Nearest, um, mm-hmm. was uh whiskey um, you know, approached us a little while back. And so now we make an incredible um whiskey salt um with and even even more incredible story and and ingredients to go with it um Mm -hmm. and then we make a diaspora um diaspora co is a is a spice and and seasonings company and she um sana the owner is um uh uh originally started importing turmeric and now does a bunch of different spices uh all best in class um for sure but We now do a a turmeric popcorn seasoning with her, which is really, really great. And I use that turmeric popcorn seasoning on more than just popcorn.
0: Oh, it's so fun to see all the different um, creative products that are coming that you've worked on. Um, I have to tell you, because I am talking to you, my son is the biggest fan of your rosemary salt. And Uh, you know, you I, I think you first when you did it, it came out for. At Burgerville, which for those who don't know, Burgerville is this great local burger chain that uses premium ingredients and their menu is seasonal. They have like their core menu, but they always have these seasonal things. And when the rosemary fries come on, like my my kids, especially Lucas, if he <laughs> always asks year round, when are the rosemary fries coming? When are the rosemary fries coming? They are his favorite. I didn't even know he liked rosemary. Um, but it got to the point where, you know, they, they didn't have it enough during the year. And then you started, you had, you started selling the rosemary salt. I, I bought one at uh, Zupans, And so now we just, yeah. when we can't, when it's not on the menu at Burgerville, we just make regular French fries and add the rosemary salt.
1: Oh, like we did so last cool.
0: night. We le- did last night. We did with the uh, Jacobson's.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you, Lucas. And yes. thank you mom <laughs> and dad for your support <laughs> for na- enabling Lucas's uh, taste. We're, you know, Um,
0: we're trying to raise some cultivated palates here, but to appreciate uh, the good things in life.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I know you are because I I know how well you both can cook. And um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, the rosemary salt is, is it's uh, it's an incredible salt. That's it's my favorite salt to use on steak um, Mm -hmm. for sure. And that became about as we were sitting with their um, with Burgerville's head chef and then there. um. And then their uh, director of operations, their CEO at the time and s- sitting in a, in a restaurant and they were like, we we're just kind of going through their menus, you know, line by line and then the seasonal items and rosemary popped out to me. And I said, huh, I wonder if like, how do you see, how do you make your rosemary fries now? And mm-hmm. like, oh, we use a rosemary oil and, and, you know, we, um, and then we use some fresh rosemary kind of tossed, tossed in there. I was like, what if we just made a rosemary salt for you all? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's the beginning of that one, and that's so that was how that was created, and that's you know a lot of how a lot of our infusions are created, like our black garlic salt. Um,
0: yeah, such a fun it, one. A
1: meal at oh, it's it's so tasty, and it's that came from a meal at Bar Tartine in San Francisco, which sadly mm-hmm. is no longer there. But mm-hmm. um, I asked the chefs Nick and Courtney about black garlic and how they I, you know was eating there one one uh for for dinner after a, a series of meetings in san francisco and um and so they showed me you know what black garlic was and how to make it and so i first thing i did when i got into the office on monday morning when i came back was well, oh, i brought a crock pot uh crock pot in and um started trying to make black garlic and we did and so now black garlic is i believe our top selling infusion um, and wow. that came from like literally just a you know a meal out in San Francisco at a at a mm-hmm. customer's restaurant, and so right. we try and take it inspiration from everywhere really, and, and yeah, um, and try and try and uh, uh, try and give it uh, a different, a little different spin.
0: Well, I do, I, I could tell you're a food person and I, and I know that you're just not, you're, you're eating at the restaurants, not just cause you're, you know, trying to support your customers, but whenever you travel, I do notice that you're, you take the time, you know, to go eat at different restaurants.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's fun.
0: And you cook. I see you cook too.
1: Oh yeah. I'm, I, I would say I'm an okay cook. Uh, it's my cooking's definitely gotten better over the years. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, when you're friends you with cook a lot people during COVID like you and the, you were stuck
0: at home because uh, you cook a lot
1: <laughs> we we got a lot of takeout uh during covid um yeah and we cooked a ton for sure yeah um but, you know, it's, it's, uh, when you're, but that being said, when you're friends with people like you and then <laughs> chefs, um,
0: right. you it's pick up tough a few to compare tips.
1: your own food.
0: <laughs> ah yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I think I went to a party, I went to the 4th of July party at your house and everyone brought stuff and it was like, it was like a who's who of like, who's cooking in Portland. And it was such a delicious spread. I remember that distinctly.
1: <laughs> uh, I remember your, your, uh, your barbecue, um, short ribs and they were oh, incredible. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I know my Kaibe is uh, featured in Cook's Country this, this month, the recipe. <laughs> I,
1: I am going to have to pick up a copy because I love yeah. that recipe. Oh, sure.
0: so, so easy. Well, what, what was the last thing that you cook? Like what was the last kind of big meal that you remember making that you would share with us?
1: Ooh, that's a good, uh, that's a good thought. Um, what was the last big meal? I got to look in the fridge to see what leftovers I have. <laughs> um, I, uh, I do a lot of roasted vegetable and kind of rice uh, salads in the summertime, especially. Um, so mm-hmm. I'll just, you know, roast cauliflower, carrots, uh, snap peas sometimes, um, and, um, and, and then um, mix it in with rice with, a, with just really just oil and vinegar and lots of lemon. And then usually put in some garbanzo beans um, and a bunch of parsley just to kind of freshen mm-hmm. things up. Um, yeah it's and it's super easy and it keeps in the fridge for a few days Mm -hmm. Um, so that's really good Um, I've got some leftover beans in the fridge right now pinto beans that I always we're always we always have keep the chicken carcasses from Uh uh, roasted chickens and make stock out of those and so I and then I typically end up making like um, beans uh, some some kind of beans with that stock and so yeah, we got some leftover pinto beans in the fridge now, and that salad, and I got to do a sneak salad actually with some rosemary salt. So,
0: right, um, layering yeah. the flavors, I love Try it.
1: Try to, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what about you? What What's your favorite thing to cook?
0: Well, you know, I cook. I'm one of those people who I cook for other people. So when I, you know, like if I'm home by myself. I just eat like snacks. I don't even cook for myself. Yeah. Um, and then when I, when I am by myself or when I'm traveling, then it's all about like, I want to have, I want to eat somebody else's food. So I go out, mm. but when I'm home, I just cook whatever people, and It's like a short order cook. Like, what do you want to have? <laughs> <You know?
1: laughs>
0: and I'm happy to make multiple things for different people. I know that some people hate it. They're like, this Lucky is for Lucky family. And if you don't want to eat it, that's it. That's the only thing I'm going to make. It's like, I just want people to be happy. You know, obviously I want Uh, to have a family. I think it's more important to have a family dinner, like where we all sit together and we eat together. But if somebody really doesn't like that thing or, you know, somebody really doesn't, I'll just, you know, you have the kind of the center dish with this, but then I'll make a different side dish for one person. It's because my kids are small. They don't eat that much food. And so when you're cooking something that small, it doesn't take much time. But I don't well, know if that's indulging them too much. But I, I just want people to be happy.
1: <laughs> that's a, want... it's a pretty lucky family, if you ask me.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I I think it's important that um, people um, not have. I want them to have positive food memories. So, a they don't have yeah. associate uh, food in any negative way with anything as mm-hmm. punishment or. Or if they're forced to eat something or even forced to finish something, I don't want it them to have any of those kinds of like hang ups when they grow up. And so food is always yeah. meant to be like a celebration, something enjoyed, something that you enjoy with other people. And there are no bad foods. There's no, you know, there's no, uh, you know, everything in moderation. But try lots of different things because you never know if there's something amazing that you're just missing out on. So you might as well try it because you never know.
1: It's <laughs> a good point. Yeah.
0: That's my, that's yeah, my little, point. my, my, my little town philosophy for that. So, <laughs> so um, what's up next? Like, what are you working on? I feel like you're always working oh. on something, whether anybody knows it or not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, we try to at least. Um, yeah, we've got, um, we've got. I think a really uh, we've got something big in the works that i i shouldn't share in yet um which i'm <laughs> really really excited about but it's something okay that
0: that's all no right you can been... say it's you can't talk about it but it's something something <laughs> was it a product expansion or
1: <laughs> it's a product of, of some sort uh-huh. um and i'll leave it at that um but i'm really really excited about it and it's, it's been a dream of mine for literally years um Almost ever since I started the company, and then so we've got that. We've got an incredible couple of seasonal releases coming out um, for infused salts um, and seasonings. Um, we've got a new um, confection or two rolling out soon. Something in the sweet side, because you know we have a mm-hmm. line of salty caramels and salty black licorice, and so yeah, uh, we've got uh, something more in the sweet side coming out uh, soon as well. So yeah it's we've got a ton of things just kind of always percolating and keeping us keeping our whole team busy for sure.
0: well, it's been fun to see you kind of expand beyond just salt too, you know, just the spices and um even carrying salt not from the region that you're making right but just showcasing amazing salts from around the world
1: yeah yeah absolutely yeah we do you have uh, a
0: favorite do you, i mean besides your Oh, so your salts. But do you have a favorite uh, salt? Is, you get asked that question well, at
1: all? Yeah. Um, so we we started out doing, you know, we, we started sourcing um, uh, other salts for Williams-Nome, actually. They said, hey, you know, we'd like to be able to sell. We love Jacobson, but we also would love to be able to sell Himalayan salt or what mm-hmm. have you. And so um, we went and found the best Himalayan salt that we could for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we did that um, certainly, and and actually, probably three years ago now, four years ago, um, we started um, we started looking for a um, a fine sea salt um, that we might be able to um, really just kind of supplement our 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 um, our kosher and our flake salt sales. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we, um, it's, it's, this fine sea salt is from, um, Trapani, Italy, um, in Sicily. Mm-hmm. And so we market as such, it's in a completely different you know, container and, and says salt from, um, from Trapani, Italy. And so it's mm-hmm. very clearly that, you know, we don't actually make the salt, um, but it does carry our brand of course. And, mm-hmm. um, and that salt is, it's, it's delicious and it tastes completely different than ours. Um, it's of course, it's salt and it's salty, but, um, but it's you know it's it's a very um, it's a it's a much um, it's a much softer um, mm-hmm. salt that has a ton of salinity in it and and the texture is very very fine mm-hmm. and so um, the application for that is is very different than our you know the the salt that we make which is a lot more flaky and um, meant to be used for finishing and and adding a textural contrast whereas. Um, This fine sea salt is really great for, you know, brining a meat or seasoning pasta water or something like that.
0: Right. Well, I, you know, I think people who don't cook don't realize that you... I think at the minimum, minimum, (laughs) you need to have at least three different kinds of salts, in my opinion, my humble opinion. You need to have like a fine salt for things, you know, for baking or things that you need to dissolve, things like that. Um, Then, you know, like a kind of workhorse kosher salt. I love that a good, you know, kosher salt for just when you're using everyday kind of things. And then a really nice, crunchy textural finishing salt for that kind of like on top of the tomatoes on top of the steak you know on the pasta you know that that kind of salt too and i would say that's bare minimum <laughs> and then it's always nice to have some infused salts and things like that but i guess people who don't cook they're like when i still when i run into people who are still just using like the the iodized salt in the carton i just i yeah. said please at least just Switch to kosher salt, so, please.
1: Yeah. The very gonna, least. You know, keep using the iodized or whatever and get yourself some flake salt to finish That's like and... you're not
0: gonna get a goiter. You're you're fine. <laughs> you're getting plenty of that iodized salt and like processed food, whether you want it or yeah. not. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like eat just eat a stem of broccoli every now and again. <laughs> you're gonna be right. fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's amazing how much um, you know, because you know, you always see like on chefs like chop chef and stuff like that. It's always about the seasoning. And when I when I cook a lot of times people uh, will say, "Oh, you know, it's so good. What did you put in it?" And they're expecting me to list like a thousand spices or something like that. And I said, "It's just salt and pepper, you know. Yeah. <laughs> salt and pepper, maybe olive oil, you know. But it's it has yeah. to do with the seasoning, not making something mm-hmm. salty, but making but um, using salt to bring out flavors for sure."
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and um and And when you're salting is is incredibly important, as you know too, and yeah. you know um and the amount in in which you're you know you know you're using that salt when you do it um and one thing that um Chris Costantino told me that's really stuck with me um and somebody told him, and I'm not remembering who told him um I can track it tra- I can ask him and uh, but he's a chef in san francisco and um and his mantra is always acid and herbs before salt um mm-hmm. which i I love it's it kind of rolls off the tongue really nicely but um I love that that the concept of that too because you know you add your acid you know lemon mm-hmm. juice or vinegar or you know wine mm-hmm. or what have you and then your herbs um, because always fresh herbs herb, mm-hmm. fresh herbs just makes everything so much better nice. and then salt and yeah um and've I've kind of tried to stick by that mantra as well and um, it seems to work.
0: Yeah, it's a great it's a great guideline. I mean, I always another thing that I I I do is I you season kind of as you go if you're doing something with multiple components, you know? So mm-hmm. if you're and let's just give a simple example, like, like lasagna. So we talked about Garfield's lasagna earlier, <laughs> like, you know, seasoning that pasta water, you know, before you boil the noodles, seasoning the, the, um, the meat that you're sauteing, you uh-huh. know, seasoning the onions. Cause then you're going to cook the onions separately from the meat. Cause they cook differently. Um, season the yeah. sauce, you know, all these things I season the ricotta. You know, season it and mm. just like taste it. If it if it doesn't taste just absolutely delicious on its own, then how can you imagine it'll be under seasoned if it's uh folded into these layers? You know, so yeah, that's just a really good point. Doesn't...
1: I've never seasoned ricotta, and that's I will most we've got some in the fridge <laughs> right now. and Most definitely will do so. That's I had never literally thought of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, every component. I well, you know, the cheese doesn't need it, but like the ricotta, I act. You know, you put the egg. You, warning there's raw egg in there but, you know, but i taste it I <laughs> it with salt and pepper and then sometimes i'll even put some herbs and things like that but um but the i'll taste mm. the ricotta cheese and m- make sure it's flavorful just on its own um mm. and then when you layer everything together everything is perfectly seasoned and it comes together and it's not salty at all because you you just made sure that everything um, was seasoned so every bite yeah. is then delicious mm. <laughs> that's my tip tip. and then (laughs) also for for desserts you know it's people think for sweet to things things are sweet right but you can i can't think of like every sweet needs some salt to count to what it does is it makes the flavors pop so even in like fruit desserts or definitely chocolate desserts or things like that a little bit of salt will just it doesn't taste salty and people think of like salted caramel think of like you know chocolate with like the with flake salt on top but even, um, even things that you don't think of as tasting the salt or you seeing the salt benefits from like just a pinch of uh, salinity to kind of like make the flavors pop. So
1: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, like it's, a it's, oh, it's so necessary.
0: Yeah, even in like a pie, like sweet cookies, if, there's, if I see a recipe, there's no salt in it. I'm always like, hmm. And then I can't help myself. I always add a pinch of salt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel
0: like it makes everything taste better. So, <laughs> um,
1: what's, uh, what's, a, what's a non a savory dish that you add salt to that's kind of unexpected?
0: Well, I don't even know. It's unexpected because, I, you know, if people hang out with me, they know I put salt in everything, but um, like any kind of uh, custard or pudding or thing mm. like that, you know, like, but like uh-huh. it makes sense for caramel, butterscotch, cha- anything like that's a custard. I always add a pinch of salt, even like a vanilla custard, a little pinch of salt. Every, um, every cookie needs some salt. Every cake needs salt. You know, if Mm. frosting, you know, like even if you use frosting and the recipe calls for unsalted butter, if you're making a buttercream, you have to add the salt because it makes the you don't you don't recognize it as salty, but it tastes more of whatever it needs to be like, whatever the essence is, it tastes more of. Um, But yeah, I I, I feel like I've switched many people over. I've given gifts of uh, salt. Oh, for the longest time, uh, Ben Jacobson's would be my default gift for everybody when they came, like housewarming gifts or or when I was traveling, you know? Certainly, like when I worked in press gifts, because it's functional. They will use it. Yeah. Like at first they don't yeah. they're like, oh thank you. Like they don't know. They don't know what they're getting, you know? And then like a, a, yeah. a like a week later, they'd be like, Oh my gosh, that salt is incredible. <laughs> and then I then I say, Oh, you're welcome. Thank you very much, you know.
1: <laughs> you know, because they're
0: like, Why are you giving me like a bag of salt?
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> It'll make your cooking better. And then I've gotten plenty of uh ribbing because I'll be at a restaurant and something is under season and I'll pull out my little tin. Of Jacobson uh, salt that little tin, oh, <laughs> and yeah. I'll, I'll season at the table, you know. Yeah, it's just what we it's, do. Uh, it's what I these mean, food people
1: do. Hey, it's you know. I hopefully it's it's no offense is taken. Hopefully it's just I am enjoying your food so much. I want to make it even better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I want to ask you. Okay. I I don't like to call it death row meal, but like if you had to pick your favorite meal or your last meal, let's just say last meal before something amazing happens, right? (laughs) Before the end, before the earth explodes, um, what Uh would it be? What would it be? What's your favorite meal?
1: Oh, man. Um, What is my favorite meal? I'm probably at
0: this point, you know, I know you're a runner. You don't worry about your calories at this point.
1: Yep. 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 it's going to be probably a little bit boring, um, but an eclectic certainly. But um, I love um, my mom used to make a spinach souffle, um, which I have no idea how or why she started making it, mm-hmm. but it is delicious. And oh, I um, love a
0: savory souffle. This,
1: oh, it's so good! It's got this sh- um, sharp cheddar cheese in it, this little bit of cayenne pepper, uh-huh. um, and a ton of spinach, of course, and. I love, and, and you get, you know, she bakes it. And so you get like this crispy kind of little crusty chard, um, mm-hmm. not chard, but kind of almost. That
0: golden brown, like crust on it. The golden brown, the yeah. And then the inside is yeah, like the, fluffy and creamy. Uh,
1: it's the best. <laughs> I I love it so much. And then you, you sprinkle some flakes off on there and, and you get the nice textural contrast with the mm-hmm. flakes of salt. And so spinach souffle is definitely on there. Mm-hmm. Um uh another probably down the the boring path but hey I'll I'll, I'll So far I'll not boring is, um, so far
0: definitely not boring
1: <laughs> is uh a roasted chicken like there's not a whole lot better in my book than a roasted chicken in the oven. That's true. Um I love it. I love the way it makes the house smell mm-hmm. um especially on like a fall or 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 um winter day um mm-hmm. uh, when it just feels um cozy and 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 warm and inviting and i love the fact that you can like make multiple meals out of it so that would mm-hmm. just be assuming i i live beyond that death row meal mm-hmm. um what are and, the slides um,
0: roasted rosemary potatoes or <laughs> what's up yeah what are you uh, serving with your chicken
1: duck fat duck fat um smashed and fried potatoes <gasps> um, um which Yum. is an april Bloom Field recipe um that I, i've learned to love um spinach souffle certainly, mm-hmm. um, a butter lettuce salad. We make a lot at home with avocado, um, uh, really thinly sliced mandolin radishes, mm. and um, lemon juice and olive oil and salt, and and that's it. That's um, Gregor's
0: favorite lettuce too, butter lettuce. <laughs> God,
1: it's so good. And I've I've, I've since learned from um, from my fiance Tanya that you should fold and not cut lettuce. So you fold oh, butter mm-hmm. lettuce to put it in your mouth rather uh-huh. than cut it. So that's yeah. One um, one for for the memory bag. <laughs> I I say um
0: I eat chop I eat salad with chopsticks because I don't don't even I don't even want to stab the vegetables. It's really inefficient. The fork is like especially yeah. with butter lettuce, like you just keep stabbing it. But it's not like a it's not like a romaine where it just like goes in. There's no there's no like stem like you know like mm-hmm. rough part. So you just mm-hmm. after you gently toss it right, try eating it. It seems a little weird, but with chopsticks you can pick up every little leaf. Unbruised. Oh my
1: gosh. I love, I love that idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's that's such a great idea. And it's, and it's so much it, to me eating with chopsticks is just so much more pleasurable than eating with a knife and pork. Personally. Right.
0: I don't use chopsticks for everything, but for salads, I have to say it's the most efficient way to eat the salad and preserve the integrity of all the, especially when you're using like delicate greens and you know, if there's like flowers and picking up thinly sliced radishes and things like that <laughs> oh,
1: i love it i love it I'm and definitely then dessert. what's for dessert next... you
0: gotta have a dessert or do you don't have a sweet tooth? Ooh,
1: dessert um i don't have a huge sweet tooth honestly um it, it would probably be something a little bit boring like tillamook mudslide ice cream uh <laughs> with uh flake <sighs> salt on top right that's um, like my go-to when i when i am feeling like Eating ice cream, certainly that or or um, salted caramel from salt and straw. Uh-huh. Um, what else? Look at you what
0: you else like you really eat? you really do love salted things.
1: <laughs> oh, I really do. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 uh, the it's salt obsession by, it's, is real. Not an accident for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Well, I love it. Well, it's so fun talking with you, Ben. You were always such a treat. Um, I hope I get to see you in person soon.
1: Yeah. Oh, I would love to see you soon as, as well. And and I I still want to go uh motorcycle riding with Gregor.
0: Oh, um, I know. And then I'll
1: cross my fingers someday to be invited on a camping trip in your van. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> and and your and your vintage uh trailer who that was your that was Gregor's. Uh, well, you know, in our like...
0: camper, we got that Jacobson salt. I, you know, you know what <laughs> I do is I keep the kosher in a um, I keep it in one of those containers because I like to shake it and I don't like to I don't like to pinch things because then I have to wash my hands and it it's just my personal preference. Mm. So I put it in one of those shakers like that you would put um, parmesan cheese in.
1: Oh, that's a great idea.
0: And you course. it's like hands free. So if, especially if you're like, um, shaking, uh, if you want to put kosher salt over steaks, but you're like handling the steak and then you maybe you're, then you're doing vegetables and stuff like that. I want I don't want to, so I just put it in one of those shakers. And so I have one, um, at home and then I have one in my camper <laughs> and it I even has, a, it even has like a little uh, cap. It almost looks like a shower curtain that fits on the top of it.
1: <laughs> oh, that's cool. I, I need to get you one of our canisters. You know our, our kosher salt used to come in those boxes. Yeah. Um now we've got canisters of salt and they they work they're they're great. You can shake oh, out really? of them too, which is nice. Oh I haven't yeah. seen
0: that. See, you've already you've already solved my dilemma. I've been just using these <laughs> like you know dollar store uh parmesan shakers that aren't too pretty but <laughs> functional. But yeah, I, I like I like to shake salt. I like to shake it myself. So nice. I will definitely check it out.
1: Well, thank you so much. I cannot wait to see you uh, soon, hopefully.
0: (laughs) I'm sure we will. And I'm sure we will. So thank you everyone for listening to episode 14. Food people are the best people with Ben Jacobson of Jacobson Salt Company. And definitely go look at the website. Check out. They're perfect for all your cooking needs and gifting needs. Thanks again, Ben.
1: Thank you so much, Judy. and it's a pleasure talking to you.